0: Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. Today we have been in a series and we are ending this series titled Deadly Relationships. And if if you're looking at this saying, this looks a little bit different. The reason why is because in this series I'm revealing to you about the deadly habits that can creep into your life and kill off the relationships that you have. Okay, And believe it or not, God created relationships in the beginning to be a blessing for your life. He created them to be a blessing so that we can help each other and build each other up in times of need. And here's the reason why we need relationships in our life. Look at this. It may different from what you've heard before, but relationships are also an example. A healthy relationship is an example of the Holy Trinity itself because the Holy Trinity was a relationship, a healthy relationship established before this world was even formed. Before Adam and Eve were here, the Holy Trinity already existed. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, New Living Translation. Then God said, let us, talking about the Trinity, make human beings, listen to the last sentence, in our image to be like us. And I made it very clear on the first sermon of this series, this passage of scripture is not saying that we become gods because people have taken this passage of scripture and twisted it. All it's saying is that you are special. We are special because we're created in the image of God. And it means that we have the characteristics of God. And the Holy Trinity is something magnificent to look into because yes, we serve one God, yet three distinct persons in one. And what I'm telling you today, the most The best blessing that you could ever receive in your life is to have a personal, intimate relationship with God. A personal, intimate relationship with God. And I know we'll come in here and we'll celebrate. Yes, God should be the center of my relationship, but is He? Is He really? Is He your rock? I want to reveal some things to you today of what it means to have a personal relationship with God since he is three in one. The first point is this. God wants you to have a relationship with his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, I'm telling you today, lives inside of you. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And what I love about this is that the Holy Spirit will bring power and freedom into your life. It is the Spirit of God that changes the way you think, the way you act, and the way you talk, and it brings freedom from past sin and the bondage that's held you captive for so long. What I'm telling you today, if you suffer from an addiction, you can be set free by the Holy Spirit. If you suffer because of your past hurt and you hold on to maybe control in a relationship and it's toxic to people today by the Holy Spirit, that can change inside of you because that is the power of God living inside of us. Let me show you Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. "For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Look at somebody next to you and tell them there is freedom in the spirit of the Lord. Let them know. Believe it. There is freedom in the Spirit of the Lord. So all of us will have this veil removed so that we can see and select the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the Spirit. Do you notice that the passage of Scripture says it twice? Why? Because if you remember, the number two means fact. It is a confirmation. What the Bible was trying to tell you, hey, this is important. You need to understand the Spirit of the Lord will bring you freedom. And the authority of God can live inside of you to release you from your old bad habits that are killing off your relationships today. And I love this, because what does the Holy Spirit do? He makes us more like him. He makes us act more like Jesus and less like ourselves. And we start to change into his glorious image. That means when somebody makes you upset, The old you would have popped off. The older you would have had some choice words. But the new you says, God bless you. I'm walking away, you know? God starts to change you. And this is the Holy Spirit's power. You're no longer under the control of the flesh. You're moved by the Spirit of God. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit will speak to you from the Father. And we've been over this before, but God wants to speak to you. You can hear the voice of God. You can have clarity in your life, and you can have direction on what you need to do. For Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 26, he says, But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything. Listen to the wording, Jesus says, and he will remind you of what I have told you. He will speak through you as well make you be a blessing to others you ever had one of those moments where you walk up to somebody and you don't have any words and all of a sudden they say something and you say the most profound thing and you're like where did that come from right that's not me that's because the spirit of god will speak through you and i love it because god told moses the same thing he said don't worry about what to say i will speak through you when the time is right So that means for you, all you need to do is be obedient to what God is calling you to do and let the Spirit of God speak through you. There's power in that. Not only that, but there's power that brings you back to life. Some of you today may feel spiritually dead. You may feel distant from God. And it's the Spirit of God living inside of you that will bring you back to life. Look at this. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. The Spirit of God, this is powerful, who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. He lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead and gave life, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Again, another passage of Scripture saying it, what? Twice getting your attention. It's by the Spirit of God that you are set free. It's by the Spirit of God that you start to change. It's by the Spirit of God that you are brought back to life. Some of you are searching for that right now, maybe for your soul or even for your relationships. God, can you please fix my marriage? can you fix my family life? Can you fix it? Can you bring it back to life of what it used to be because we got off track? And the answer is yes. The Spirit of God can do this. This is so fascinating about our relationship with God. The second point is this. You have an intimate relationship with God, the Son. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We call upon the name of Jesus for healing. There's authority in the name of Jesus. We praise him. I love this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, it states, Therefore God elevated him into the highest place of honor and gave him the name above all other names. For it is by that name, Jesus, that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. Let me read that again. Every knee will bow to the name of Jesus on heaven and on earth, and under the earth as well. Amen. And every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to fit the glory of God the Father. When we come together and we call upon the name of Jesus, there is healing, you are set free, and your demons have to run. Amen. The bondage that's been on your life has to be gone. They have to run. But what's beautiful about the name of Jesus is that there's salvation. There's redemption. There's redemption. Restoration and there's forgiveness by the Son. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, New Living Translation. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a gift. To be honest with you, it's a blessing we don't deserve. God gives us that gift by the sweet, precious name of Christ. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. Is it by your list? Is it by you saying, okay, if I do a Bible study uh, this many times a day, and I, and I get up and I pray this many times a day, and I do this, and I explain Jesus to friends, does that save you? No. It can be fruitful, yes. But does it save you? No. God is saying it's when you believe in your heart that you are made right with God. And by openly declaring your faith, you have been saved. And you want to know why? Because when you search for Jesus, the spirit of God then lives inside of you. You've been saved and you become a new creation. You start acting different, pursuing something different, pursuing God. God. And that's so good. That's powerful. But the last thing I want to show you today also is that you could have an intimate relationship with God the Father. An intimate relationship with God the Father. The Father is love. I need you to understand that. God the Father is love. There is no love without God. And because of that, he is worthy of praise. Let me read this. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. But anyone who does not know God or does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. Let me say this. It is important to show God's love in your own house, to your spouse or to your children, because how can you teach your children about God's love if you're not showing the love of God to them? Let me say it like this. When you come home, What do you do? You're tired from work. Do you come home? Do you gripe and complain? Are you frustrated? Are you yelling at everybody? Because believe me, I understand. It could be easy to get into your flesh and just be done for the day. I'm tired of the yelling, stop playing, stop running. I'm hungry, I'm tired. But it's God who never leaves us and always shows us his love. And because of that, he gives us strength to go home and love on our own children and our own family, even when we feel like we don't have it in us to do it. You know why? Because it makes an impact. It makes a huge impact. Because what does it do for a child? If a child sees their parents all the time at church praising God, yet never praising God in the house, you're going to say, well, that's not real. It's fake. God doesn't want a fake relationship with you. He wants to be real, not just in this house, but your house. When you go home, when you're in the car, when you're out and about, he wants to be real to you. He wants to know your problems. And because he is love, he changes how you act and react. For God has showed us his love by sending his one and only son into the world so that we may have eternal life through him. Psalms chapter 145, verse 3 says, Great is the Lord, for he is worthy of our praise. Who can measure his greatness? And not only is he love, and we've been over this, but God the Father is also a righteous judge. Remember, earlier through this series, I told you that sometimes when somebody hurts you, you want to get back at them because that seems fair in your mind, right? But also what may seem fair to you can kill your soul. You start to exceed limits you never thought you would do or or press boundaries in your life and you start to become a different person because all you see is revenge and revenge will take over your heart. And God says, revenge is not up to you. Vengeance is not up to you. For we serve, yes, a God of love, but he will also punish and judge all wickedness in this world all the hate and all the evil and our hope as believers is in the end, God will take the devil and his demons and throw them into the burning lake of fire for all eternity. And that's called hell for all eternity. And there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more hurt. Do You understand the hope that God is good. Leave vengeance up to him. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge and I will pay them back, says the Lord. What I want to do with this, what I want to make clear with the ending of this series is this. God doesn't just want a relationship with you. He wants a powerful, uplifting, healing, intimate relationship with you that will change your life. He wants to become so real to you that when you wake up, you have to breathe his word. Look at his word. Ask for prayers and direction. God, should I cut them off on the road right now because they're upsetting me? All right, I'll pray for them. All right, God, what do you want me to do? It wants to be that real. Seriously, how much do you talk to God? Is it just on Sundays? Is it just in church? Is it just before you eat that hamburger and say, please, God, bless this? the nourishment of my body God wants a real relationship with you because I want to I want to share a truth with you that may shock your perspective listen God has blessed you and me by allowing us to know him you realize that let me say that again God has blessed you by allowing you to know him it is a blessing just to know who God is and that's it, that's all we need. We don't need anything else. We were created and designed only to worship God. The truth is, the hard truth is not about us. It's never been about us, it's all about him. And I'm telling you right now, life may be hard, but is it hard because you took your eyes off of him and put it on yourself instead? Is it that? Or maybe God is bringing you through a struggle to help encourage you and build up your faith. He will never leave you. This is the relationship you have with God. The Holy Trinity is amazing with the power and the authority that it brings into our life. And I'm telling you today, ending this series, for your relationships to work, God must be in the center for it to last. Why? God is love. God is love. How can you love without God being in the center? And anybody within a marriage or a committed relationship, you know, you know, you have to be selfless. It's no longer about you. And that's hard to do sometimes. And I noticed something. Maybe you've noticed it too. In our culture today, whenever you watch TV shows or movies, have you noticed that they will push two things? The first thing is young love, right? Right? Young love is exciting. The single life or the dating life, go out, it's thrilling. And then, of course, you have to have temptation as well, right? Physical attraction on everything that you see right in front of your face, right? And we talked about that already with lust, always looking, 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 and you start to desire the world more than you desire God. And it takes over your eyes. It takes over your heart, all right? It's it's poisonous to the body and the way you think. But the world is always pushing that in front of you. Oh, this is what you want. Exciting relationships, going out on expensive dates and doing this and doing that, and every day will be exciting, but don't be committed. Because if there's a commitment, then you'll be tied down. You need this drama. And then I noticed something else, too, within culture on TV shows and movies. Whenever they show the married couple, they're usually boring. I'm just being honest with you. They're usually boring. They're dull. They're unhappy, right? Somebody, one of the spouses is controlling or they're going to get a divorce. That's usually what we see all the time on TV. Here's what's harder. Many of us have seen it in our own family life, in our own home. I'm gonna ask you this hard question. Since that's what you have seen and that's what's in front of your face, is that also what you expect from the relationships you have, from your future, Or maybe even for your marriage today. Expectations, your expectations can be dangerous. I'm gonna say this in the most loving way that I can, but it's the hard truth. Expectations, our expectations, can lead us straight to hell. It really can. Because what I want for my life, what I see for my life, my list, my flesh, everything that I desire can be completely opposite for what God desires for my life. And because I don't get it, I get upset with God. And what happens? We turn away from God. Well, you didn't give me the relationship that I asked for. You didn't send me the person that I wanted. They broke my heart. And God is saying, I never wanted you to be with them in the first place. You jumped the gun. Because you didn't know the desire that I had for your life. Do you understand? God's desire for you is better than your desire for yourself. But you need to ask yourself this question Are your desires right now, your expectations for life, is it God centered or is it your flesh? Is it yourself? The reason you want these things, is it because of you or is God telling you, this is what I have for you? There is a major difference. And you will always get off track when you live for yourself. So, the title of today's message is this Wrong Expectations. Wrong expectations. They could be dangerous with our relationship with God. And I get it though, because sometimes when I talk about this with people, they're like, No, Pastor. No, 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 no. Because I know that scripture, I wrote it down. It's Psalms 37, verse 4. I take delight in the Lord. Why? Because he will give me the desires of my heart. Oh, you wrote that one down, huh? You got that one posted in in your car or on the refrigerator and just remember that. Let me ask you this question. You know what comes before that verse? Or after? No. (laughs) I just like that one sentence. I'm just going to write that one down. You know what the Bible also says? Your heart... It's one of the most deceitful things. Feelings, the way you feel, can also lead you down the wrong path. Feelings can lead you down the wrong direction. A destructive path, a dangerous path, even to hell. With the way you feel. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says this, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things, and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Because I want you to think about it. Your desires, what does it look like? When you were single, or if you're single today, for her, her desires might have been, okay, six foot three, right? Six pack, and then making six figures, right? (laughs) Ladies in the house, you can say amen. It's okay. We're, We're being humble here. It's all right. Without knowing it, though, you're going after a dude that's 666. I'm just saying. So we can, we can repent. It's all right. But as for a guy, some of you guys think you're going to marry an Instagram model, right? And you're going to think that she's going to want to see every Avengers movie or every Rocky movie, every Rambo movie of somebody blowing up, and then wake up perfect in the morning like her profile picture shows, which probably is 100% filter with, with today's culture. But you're going to wake up, listen... That's our expectations. That's what we think a relationship should look like. What happens when reality doesn't look like that? And you wake up to the love of your life having eye boogers, (laughs) and eye crust, all in this area, saying, I love you with bad, stinky breath. And then you get upset when his facial hair is all over the sink, like, Lord, did I really choose this path for me today? Our expectations are not always the reality. Let me say this. If your expectations are being failed right now in your life, do you run from God because of it? You stop going to church. You stop seeking him, stop reading his word because he's not giving you the things you think you need or the things you think you want to make your life better. Is your prayer life about your expectations or God's? I realized for a long time I was praying selfish prayers. In fact, I still have to fight my flesh today on that. A lot of times when we pray, God, I want, I want, give me, give me, thank you for the conversation. And that's it. But I wanna challenge you today, when you pray, next time you pray, say, God, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do today that may be uncomfortable (laughs) or be humbled or say I'm sorry or ask for forgiveness? God, what is the desire? Because I'm telling you, our expectations, you can be 40 years in marriage and be unhappy and saying, God, I don't know what to do anymore. You may have had all these expectations, praying for the right person, yet you're still single and you're like, God, what is it for me? So I wanna put our hearts in check. I wanna look at the word of God and what it really means to desire what God desires, the desires of your heart. Let's read the the passage of Scripture, the verses before and after. This is found out of Psalm chapter 37, excuse me, 3 through 5, New Living Translation. It states, trust in the Lord. This is the first thing you need to do. Trust in the Lord. Trust that what God has for you is better than what you have for yourself. And then it says, do good. So I trust God with my life and the direction. And I will be obedient and do what the Lord tells me to do. After that, it says, then you will live safely in the land and prosper. When you trust the Lord, when you walk in obedience, you will prosper. Does that make sense? And once you prosper, this is what I love though, because you're walking in obedience, you're realizing how good God is. It says, before you even get the desires of your heart, guess what? You take joy in the Lord's presence. So many people skip that out of this verse. They only see the desires of our heart. What did it say right before that? Trust the Lord. Take delight in the Lord. Take delight in his presence, who God is. When you take delight in who God is, then he will give you your heart's desires. But let's read the next verse. What's it say? Because you have committed everything you do to the Lord. You trust him and he will help you which means when you are committed to the Lord, listen, this is the changing that happens from the spirit of God living inside of us. You start to desire what God desires. Wow. Because so many people ask me, how do I do that? How do I change? You see God. Okay. But what do I do? Is is it like a step-to-step process? No, you see God. But how do I do that? Talk to him. How do I do that? Like, You talk to him, you pray, and you trust that the Holy Spirit is working on the inside, and you start to see a changing in your life. You just walk in obedience, and you start to desire what he has for you. You commit yourself to the Lord. You desire what the Lord desires for your life, and I'm going to share something with you. God gave me a revelation this week that I believe is powerful, and it's going to drive us forward as a church. Don't mind the big green boxes coming up on stage. It's okay. Stay with me. I'm going to show you something in a second. But God spoke to me this week as I was praying, and he reminded me of the Israelites. Let me ask you this. What did the Israelites desire when they were in bondage, when they were in slavery in Egypt? God pressed this on my heart. The only thing that they desired was to survive. That's what I heard. They wanted to survive. They wanted to make it day by day and survive not be killed not be hurt and if they imagined getting freedom then possibly in their mind they only thought that they would have to hide and they would get a little bit of of survival in this area or be okay but all they imagined is that they could survive what God desired for them was not to survive but to thrive in the promised land right Here's what I'm trying to tell you. The Israelites had no idea about a promised land until God mentioned it to Moses. Until God spoke to Moses and showed them, this is the desire that I have for you. It's not just to survive, but it's to thrive in the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is what I have for you. And I realized this, and I wrote this down. Maybe you want to write this down too, because we're going to drive it fully with this church with every vision that we have, in order to reach the promised land, you must first believe it exists. I'm going to say that again. In order to reach the promised land, you must first believe that it exists. What I'm telling you today, let go of your desire and your control because what God desires for you is always better. And it will be beyond your comprehension because you're only looking at your life and the box that you're in and what you can have inside that box. God is gonna take you outside of that box and show you things that you never thought you could have or do or how you could be a blessing to others. That is the difference between your desires and God's desires for you. And I'm gonna show you. Exodus chapter three, verse eight. God spoke to Moses and gave him a revelation. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians, and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. You have to believe it exists. Now, let me me say this to you. In order to have a healthy relationship, in order to have a God-centered relationship, you must first believe it can exist. Throw out all the lies that you've been taught. Throw out all the lies that you have seen, even within your own family, maybe. If you come from a broken home, if you come from hurt, everything that you see and realize that God has something good for you, but God must always be at the top of every other relationship. But you know what? Here's what's good. Because we miss this, right? God not only told Moses about what he had for him and the blessing for the Israelites, guess what? He told him about the battles he would face. You hear me? God's got a blessing for you, it's gonna be a fight. God's got a destiny for your life, somewhere to arrive, a position, a blessing in a relationship, but guess what? It's gonna be a fight. Every day that you wake up, you are going to have to battle your flesh. For God also said to Moses, let's look again. Exodus chapter three, verse eight. Yes, he said, I'm going to rescue you from the Egyptians, and you're going to have your own spacious land flowing with milk and honey. But he did not stop there. He also said the Canaanites are there, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, all these people, guess what? You're going to have to fight them. To get this land. But God said, I'm declaring this land for you. For you. This is your destiny, but it is going to be a fight. How do you fight a spiritual battle? By the word of God. And I'm strengthening you today and encouraging you that you can have a relationship with the Father who loves you. Son, who brings salvation and the spirit of God living inside of you, set us free. So here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to give you an illustration of what I believe, biblically, is a healthy relationship order for our lives. I believe, according to the Bible, this is the order we need to live out to have relationships or healthy relationships for us, and God should always be the first priority in our life. Over every other relationship, our relationship with God is most important. When Jesus was asked the question, hey, what is the greatest commandment? What did he say? The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the greatest commandment for your life. Let me show you. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 38. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Let me tell you this though. This means you need to make God a priority, the number one priority in your life. You need to set that time. You need to speak to the Lord. Even if you're busy and you're driving, speak to God, pursue God, seek God, ask God what to do in every situation, including leading your family, for this is the family dynamic. Put God first, because you know why? How do you love your spouse? How do you love your children? How do you love others if you do not love God? For God is love. And God sets the standard in our life on how to love others, how to be selfless in our relationships. And because you love God, God will teach you. And I'm saying this in a specific way God will teach us to love others. You know, we have to be taught (laughs) to love others. It's easy to love ourselves, it's easy to be in the flesh. And want what we want. But God is saying, no, 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 you put me first. I'm gonna change your heart by my spirit, and I'm gonna teach you to also love others. For Jesus said, the second, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, a second is equally important to love your neighbor as yourself. You put God first. The second priority, if you're married, your spouse. Your spouse. Because out of the book of Genesis, what does it say? It says a man will leave his father and his mother to be united with his wife. And they will become what? One flesh. One flesh. And I'm very sensitive to this subject because I know that we live in a fallen world. And I know for a lot of good people, there's been hurt and pain. And I believe also that there's healing. And I also know that there have been people praying for a long time for the spouse and still haven't arrived to that. Or maybe you're single today. Listen, this is how I want to encourage you. Keep pursuing God, to love others, to eventually love your spouse. If that's the position that you're in today. But you always put God first, but we put the spouse second. Why? Because you have become one flesh. And I'm going to show you what it looks like for all this to get out of order and what it can do in your life. But third, the third priority, if you have children, should be your children, Right? Let me show you why. Because you become one flesh and you love God, you learn together how to love and lead your children. If anybody in here has kids, you know the word me was thrown out the window the moment they were born, right? Can I get an amen to that? You have to hide in your room with the door locked just to eat candy so that they don't find out, all right? The idea of me is thrown out the window. You have to be selfless and show love to your children but guess what as one flesh putting God first you learn to love them and Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6 tells us you will be able to direct your children into the right path because when they are older they will not leave it you know why because they saw mommy and daddy and the house worship Jesus not just in church but in the house as well they saw mommy and daddy put God first through every situation. And here's why you need to put it in this order, because let me tell you, it's easy. It is so easy. because Our kids are cute. Let's be honest. We got a lot of cute kids in this church, right? It's easy to put our children before our spouse. And what I see a lot is that when the, when the kids leave the house, that marriage feels done. Because no longer do you have anything to talk about. You don't feel like one flesh. You feel separated. You feel like roommates in the same house. And that can cause a lot of destruction within the family dynamic. And let me say it like this. Listen, children usually repeat the relationships that they see. It's true. Now, Jesus can change that. Trust me. There's healing in that. But think about it. If you've had complicated relationships, could it have been from the way you grew up? What you saw. You said, I would never act like my dad. I'd never get angry like my dad, yet you see yourself getting angry and you feel like a failure. Or I'd never act like my mom. She just wasn't there. She always lied to us and, and I'd never do anything like that. And you start to act like that as well. Or maybe you're so scared of acting like that, you start to control Everything. And you become toxic to the relationship because you're like, I'm never going to be like that. I'm going to be clingy, and I'm always going to be there. And you don't trust. And you're not seeking God. Guess what happens? Some of us, we actually put our spouse up here. And we put them on this pedestal, and as soon as one mess-up happens, the whole family dynamic falls apart. I know it can be hard, but biblically, this is how it goes to have a healthy relationship in our life. And the last thing is this, pursue others. Pursue others. The reason I have your spouse and your children here is because according to the Bible, our family is our first ministry. Your family is your first ministry. I've seen too many pastors with good intentions to save the world and present the gospel completely neglect their children and wife or, or family at home, okay? Look at, look at this, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? How can you go out and preach the gospel and, and have peace or bring peace to people when you go home and there's no peace in your house? And it's chaotic because things are out of order. But here's, here's what I love. When it's in this order... When we put God first, because of God's love, we learn how to love others, because what did Jesus come to do? What is the example of Christ that we have? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. I'm talking about the Son of God. We just talked about the power that's in the name of Jesus. Demons ran for him. People were healed by the name of Jesus. You're telling me the Son of God came to serve? He washed nasty feet of his disciples. And you know what that tells me? That tells me when I put God first, then it's not all about me. And that's how I show love to others. I serve them, I love them, I encourage them, I forgive. Man, so many of us need to learn how to forgive, how to let it go. And I know it may be hard, But Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 says this, for even the son of man came not to be saved, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. So number one, love God. Number two, love your spouse. Number three, love your children. Number four, love others. Again, if you're single, love God to learn how to love others, to train yourself to love your spouse, your children. God has a purpose for your life. He does. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But here's what I know. This structure every day is constantly attacked. In our culture today, this structure is attacked in everything that we see. And I'm telling you, what is attacked the most? What is attacked the most is your relationship with God. If the enemy can get God at the bottom of your list and the bottom of your priorities, that he knows that all of this can get out of whack really easy. And man, can it be easy to do. We get so busy. I got to go here. I got to talk to these people. I got to do this. I don't have time to be home. I don't even know you anymore. And I'll get to you when I can. But the enemy knows. If he can attack your relationship with God first, all your other relationships will fall apart. Because for a relationship to last and be healthy, I'm telling you right now, God must be at the center of it all, ahead of everything. But the good thing is this. God has a destiny for you. I believe he has a healthy relationship for you this is a blessing because that's the reason he created relationships but at the same time he's preparing you for a fight and Jesus Jesus gives us an example of that fight in mark chapter 4 so if you have your Bibles go ahead and turn to mark chapter 4 and for the rest of the sermon, I'm gonna give you three points part of it yes the devil attacks you at the same time we can allow our vanity and our selfishness to get the best of us as well. And I want to show you these points. In Mark chapter four, Jesus is in a boat and he's preaching to a crowd. And this is the parable of the sower. And he's teaching them these parables. And I believe the reason why Jesus uh, preached in parables is because when he did, it made them think about it. It made them seek Jesus and ask more questions. And it's funny to me because the disciples really never got it. You know, a lot of times you see Jesus preaching a parable and then afterwards the disciples say, hey Jesus, that was a good sermon. What'd you say? Because I didn't understand anything you said, but it looked good. It looked good. So Jesus behind closed doors would tell them the meaning of the parables that he was preaching to the crowd. So in this instance, Jesus is in a boat. He's preaching about this parable about how your relationship with God is attacked from the very beginning and how it happens. So I, I broke this up into three points. Point number one is this. The devil will try and steal the word of God from you always. The devil will try his best to steal the word of God from you. Why? Because in order to change, you need the word of God to direct you towards that change. Right? It is the word of God living and breathing that when we read it, it puts us in check. When you have a hard time and you don't have an answer, what do you do? You seek God by his word. You read his word on that subject. All right, God, help me not to be in my flesh. But what do you desire for me in this situation? How can I exalt you even when it's hard? So Jesus presented this to the crowd first. Here's the parable, and then I'll explain it. But in Mark chapter four, verse three and four, Jesus said, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed and he scattered it across the field. Some of the seed fell on the footpath and the birds came and ate it. Now, when he explained it to the disciples, he did it in verses 14 and 15, and he stated this. He said, the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. So let me break this down in an easy way. The farmer is anyone spreading the word of God. The seed is the word of God, and the bird here represents the devil being able to snatch it away. How is the devil able to snatch away the word of God? Where did the word fall? Upon the footpath. And there's a reason why Jesus said it fell on the footpath, because the footpath is the hardest ground, listen, that most people walk over. I'm gonna tell you this. You will be tempted by the devil, To walk over the word of God. To walk over his message of salvation and redemption for your life. To hear it and not give it a second thought. To hear it, but never apply it. To know that it's there, all right, I'll show up to church, I'll look the part, I'll say the churchy things, but never accept Christ into your heart. I'm going to show you the warning of this. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 29 talks about us walking over the blood of Christ like it means nothing. This is what it says, how, excuse me, just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the son of God. I'm gonna explain that in a second. Why does it say the Son of God? And he treated the blood and have treated the blood of the covenant, which made us holy as if it were common and unholy, and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. What does it mean to walk over the Son of God? We know according to the word that the word became flesh, and that word is the Son of God. The word is Jesus Christ. You're walking all over Jesus, and what he did for you. There are people today that come to God just to say, all right, God, please forgive me so I can go back and do what I was already doing. Like it's a get out of jail free card. You know what I mean? We're not playing Monopoly. This is real. And God wants a real relationship with you. But people have been walking all over the word of God. And what this verse is stating is that you are walking over what Christ paid upon that cross like it means nothing. You're trampling upon the blood of Jesus. And great is the punishment of that. Why is the punishment so great? Because you rejected Jesus. God didn't reject you. You heard it. That was an opportunity for salvation. In fact, every day you're living and breathing is an opportunity for salvation. That is God's grace. But eventually that time will be up. What did you choose? What did you choose? Jesus Christ is the word. John chapter one, verse 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. And the reason why the devil was able to take it away so easily is because that person never allowed Christ into their heart. Never allowed the word of God into their heart. They heard it, yet never gave it a second thought. This is how the enemy tricks us to put God last in our relationships, in our life, and what we're doing. The second point is this. Jesus talks about it. This is good. Superficial relationships with no depth superficial relationships with no depth. I feel like in today's culture, we know this a lot because why? Relationships today are based a lot on attraction. And if you remember throughout this series, I told you attraction can also be a distraction from the word of God and what God wants to do in your life. Right? It can be a distraction. Oh, that looks good, but yet it will lead you straight to destruction. And it's the same way with Christianity. People are attracted. Oh, I mean, I can get forgiveness. I can get blessings. I can run to God for this and that. Help me with my relationship. Please, God, I want to get married. Yes, I love you. And a lot of people get it. And they walk away. Thank you. I got what I wanted. People are always attracted to the blessings. But when it comes to steps further, like serving, oh, yeah, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. When it comes to reading your Bible, yeah, if I have time, I'll do it if I have time. When it comes to telling somebody else about Jesus, (laughs) no. It's real, though. I get it that sometimes, you know, especially if you grew up in the church, you heard it a lot, serve, give, give. Tell people about Jesus, and you can become numb to it really easy. I'm on this stage today because this is what changed my life. I'm telling you by experience of doing things that were uncomfortable. When God was telling me to pray over somebody, in that moment, I don't know anything about them. Yet it was in those moments, and I've shared many stories with you guys, that I prayed and God spoke. God did things. And, and there were times that God said, you know what? I have a destiny for you, and it's going to be good. And I remember the, the vision for this church. I remember what God spoke to me. I remember why I even did it. Yet at the same time, God was saying, you're going to take out the trash, too. You're going to sweep the floors. You're going to do some things that nobody else is going to see. That's part of the process. It's serving Attitude, because that's the humility. Because guess what? I was talking about it last night. When you get to the position, you represent God's character in that position. And you're not gonna get to that position unless you're ready to represent him. So God is always maturing us, and it's through these steps. Listen, I'm telling you, by serving, by believing, by having faith, by trusting, by praying, you realize, God, you're real. You're not just a Sunday morning thing that I show up to. God, you're actually real in my life. Because Jesus warned us. He said this, without depth in the relationship, you will leave the moment things get hard. He told the crowd, verse five and six, again, Mark chapter four, other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock and the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun and since it didn't have deep roots. What happened? It died. Verse 16 and 17, Jesus explained, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Yes, the blessings. Thank you, Lord. But because they didn't have deep roots, deep roots, they don't last long. Listen to this. And they fall away as soon as they have problems. Or persecution begins. Have you ever had somebody in your life that said, I'll never leave you? I'll never betray you. I'll never hurt you. And so you're saying, okay, you'll always be there. I can confide in you. I can trust you. But the moment it it got hard, they left. And it hurts. It hurts. Possibly it hurt you so deeply you're having a hard time trusting other people. Then let me ask you this. Why would you pursue a relationship with God in the same way? Why would you say, God, I'll only praise you when times are good? Do you not realize you should praise God harder when times are bad? Because your bad situations don't make God bad. God is always good. He is always good. His character is good. For God is love. My environment around me does not make me think differently of my God. I just know that when things get bad, I run to the good. Always. Always. Because eventually running to the good, then this will be good. And it may not happen overnight. But I'll always seek him. And I'm encouraging you right now, always seek him because he is always good. No matter your situations, no matter how bad it hurts, God understands your pain. He's been there too. He understands. And God would never leave us. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. Do not panic about life. Do not panic about your enemies because God, when he sets a root in your heart, he'll never leave and he will never leave you. And the Lord our God will personally, I love this, go ahead of you and he will neither fail you nor abandon you. Because he's leading you. You know how you're led by God? You put him at the top. Your eyes are always fixated on God and what he's doing in your life. And the last point is this. Distractions can become a priority in our life, and this is dangerous. This is what the world will do. This is what our vanity will do. Distractions in life will become our priority. Jesus gave this final warning in verse seven. Other seed fell among the the horns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, and so they produced no grain. And the meaning is found in verse 18 and 19. The seed that fell among the thorns represent others who hear God's word, but are all too quickly. The message is crowded by the worries of life. The message is crowded by the distractions of life, by the hardships of life, and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things. Listen, your expectations and what you desire for life get in the way of God, then no fruit. Is produced. Meaning, listen, when all this is out of order, when God is at the bottom, a lot of us do it like this. Spouses all the way down here, because I got a lot to do. We'll neglect our spouse, we'll neglect God, we'll put the children, sometimes above the spouse. So that when the children are out of the house, we no longer have a connection. And then what we do, I gotta please people. I gotta get people's attention. Gotta grow my business. Or make sure that people know who I am or all these things, pursuing all these things, neglecting the children, neglecting the spouse, and ultimately neglecting God. Do you not see how this can get you out of whack? Yet this is what most of the relationships that we see look like. This is the order that we see and it's destructive and it's not biblical it's not god can't be at the bottom because when he is all this gets piled up in the wrong way and you'll notice you won't be happy in your relationship with god or others and god doesn't want that for you so i'm gonna have you stand right here And I'm about to close. I'm going to ask our pastoral care team to come up front. If you need prayer today, if you need healing over your relationships, over your marriage, over your heart, if God is speaking to you today, I do not want you just to sneak out. I know it's easy to do. But I want you to grab hold of a volunteer because, listen to me, how does this happen when we do not allow the word of God to be in our heart? When you, don't, when you only pursue superficial relationships with God, when you allow distractions to become the number one priority, this is how things get out of whack. But Jesus didn't end there. He also said in Mark chapter four, verse 20, he said, but some seed fell on good soil. And that represents those who hear and accept God's word. And what happens when you hear and accept God's word, not only does salvation come in your life, but because you walk in obedience, you produce a harvest of 30, of 60, even 100 times as much that had been planted before. Not only does God desire to bless you, but through you, he will bless others because people will see the right order, not this, but they will see the right order in your life and you will show them the way to walk towards God. How did your marriage make it? Or how did you recover? How did you heal? How did you get back together? Or how did you forgive? How did you establish these relationships? God has created relationships to be a blessing, and the devil wants to tear that all up. But it's by running to him first that restoration can happen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.